Good morning. Welcome to today's devotional. I'm so glad you are here and that we get to start our morning together, reading God's word and wondering what it has to say to us today. The scripture reading today comes to us from 1 Peter's second chapter. Hear now the word of the Lord. Rid yourself, therefore, of all malice and all guile, insecurity, envy, and all slander, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourself be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, see, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you then who believe, he is precious. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner and a stone that makes them stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit that as the scriptures are read and your word is explored, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. It's interesting, I think, in reflecting on this passage, not just that as believers in Christ, we are chosen, adopted into God's family, but what we are chosen for. First Peter was written to the diaspora scattered in many different regions, and Peter spends much of this letter telling Gentile Christians how to live while they're surrounded by secular society. And he also addresses advises them that we are to proclaim the mighty acts of God. He tells them that their words and their actions are to be a testimony to outsiders so that they might too glorify God. We are chosen then to proclaim so that others might believe. We, of course, know the great commission to go and make disciples. And we may put scripture on Facebook and but when it comes down to it, it's an easy thing to slip into our only discussing our faith, only proclaiming the mighty acts of God with other believers, preaching to the saved, as the saying goes. It's hard, I think, to honestly and vulnerably share our faith with those who do not believe, those who have lost their faith, those who are suspicious of or have been harmed by the church. It's hard to not be defensive or to just avoid the conversation altogether. When I started in seminary, our professors were very aware of this reality, that especially for the quiet Presbyterians, giving testimony was awkward. 
So we were tasked with one by one sharing our testimony with one another. And what I found in that exercise and what has helped me since as I talk to my friends and family who do not yet believe is that when I shifted my focus from finding the right words to simply reflecting on the power and the life-saving impact Jesus has had on my life, the words came easily. It's not my task to pitch or sell Jesus or to give the most perfect articulation of what happened on the cross or how we can believe in the resurrection. It's my task to talk about what Jesus' life, death, and resurrection have meant in my life. How Christianity has helped me make sense of the beauty and the brokenness of this world. What it has meant for me to know that I am forgiven and that I am loved beyond measure. I encourage you to practice as we did out loud to say how being a Christian has made an impact on your life. What difference has it made? If we are, as the often quoted line goes, beggars tasked with telling other beggars where to find bread, then how would we speak of the ways in which God has fed us? What words would we use to share what Christ has done for us personally. One of my favorite authors early in my conversion to Christianity was a a tattooed Lutheran pastor named Nadia Boltz Weber. And she was raised in the church, but in her teens and her 20s, she rejected her faith and the church. It was only when her life was really falling apart that she had a personal encounter with Christ. And it saved her. She writes this about the impact her faith has had on her life. My spirituality is most active, not in meditation, but in the moments when I realize God may have gotten something beautiful done through me, despite the fact that I'm a jerk. And when I'm confronted by the mercy of the gospel so much that I cannot hate my enemies And when I'm unable to judge the sin of someone else, which to be honest, let's be honest, I love to do because my own mess is too much in the way. And when I have to bear witness to another human being's suffering, despite my desire to be left alone. And when I am forgiven by someone, even though I don't deserve it. And my forgiver does this because he too is trapped by the gospel. And when traumatic things happen in the world and I have nowhere to place them or to make sense of them. But what I do have is a group of people who gather with me every week, people who will mourn and pray with me over the devastation of something like a school shooting. And when I end up changed by loving someone, I'd never choose out of a catalog, but whom God sends my way to teach me about God's love. That's what Jesus has meant in her life. And that's a compelling invitation to those who don't yet believe. We may not be as articulate as Nadia, but we each of us have our own story of transformation. Nadia writes this as well. Those most qualified to speak the gospel are those who truly know how unqualified they are to speak the gospel. So with humility and passion, let us proclaim the mighty acts of our loving God and the transforming power he has had in our lives. Let us pray.
Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for the ways you have transformed our lives, the ways you have saved us. Help us to find the words and the courage to speak often and with passion and commitment about your love and your saving mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.